I wrote the course in such a way that I encourage people to talk to me. So a lot of people actually reply to my emails. So now I have a communication system where I get so many emails every week. That's how I grow my community. Welcome to a new episode of Hyperior Presents. In season two, I interview new guests with the same vibe and the same goal to make you a better creator. Today, I talked to Kavan Chung. Kavan ran a startup during COVID. He had to pivot multiple times, but it failed anyway. That was the moment he started building in public. He created a lot of free courses before he finally started charging money. In this episode, you'll learn how you can build in public and get your first products out quickly and start making money. My name is Yannick, co-founder of Hypuri, and I hope you enjoyed the show. Kafan, so great to see you, my man. Tell us a little bit about yourself for people who don't know you. Hey, Yannick, so good to be here. I think we, we talk all the time, but asynchronously. So it's good to, again, see your face. Me, I, long story short, before 2020, I was a nobody. As in, I worked really hard in my career, but you, if you Google Kavon Cheng, you couldn't really find much other than my outdated website with like a blog post once a year or my LinkedIn profile. Because it's during COVID and then my daughter was coming along. So I had that big turning moment in my life. Like I want to start being somebody. <laughs> so I guess... Yeah, I've made a little bit of progress for myself in the last two and a half years. So now I'm here talking about building in public, Twitter, yeah. talking about community building. Yeah. Very cool. And so your your like epiphany came during COVID. Did you did you have a job back then or just finished uh, college or what did you do? <laughs> you think I just finished college? Not that young. <laughs> um, well, you, you look pretty young, I think. Yeah, people think I'm young, but I have two daughters now. That's something to note. My last chapter of my career was running a funded SaaS company. It was my first attempt. I got some angel investor on board, but it was going nowhere. So it was really hard, basically. And because of COVID, we had to pivot a few times, which makes it even harder. Like It makes it impossible to understand the behavior and the pain points of people because it's moving around all the time. So yeah, I had a bit of like experience as an entrepreneur before, but nothing really successful. But I think I hit a lot of dead ends. So the epiphany really came when I was about to become a father. So it's like, do I still want my life to go on like this, like trying to build something or have a job? But then it's always come back to what am I doing? Like, why am I still a nobody? So in the past, I was working really hard on the company, on the software company. But I was never doing something under my own name. So that's why I was saying I still felt like a nobody, even though I was the founder and CEO of a SaaS company. And yeah, that's why I started writing online and started getting on Twitter. And everything started to change. Like I feel so good about myself now. It feels like I deserve a place in the world, even though it's not like I'm making crazy revenue for my business right now. But I feel good. I think that's really important. That's very important. And so was, was Twitter literally the first place you ended up or, or where did you start writing and how did you get there? No, Twitter was not the first place. I was on actually on kavonchung.com first. I was just writing once a week, one article up there. But then the next thought process is like, oh my God, where do I get people to read it? So I forgot where, but I stumbled upon indiehackers.com. 
And because I came from the funded side with investor, I actually no longer want to go that path. So the indie hackers community really resonate with me. And I thought, oh, maybe I can just hang around that group and then people would start seeing my content. And that's when I discovered Building in Public because they actually have a group called Building in Public. I was like, what is this? This sounds interesting. And I asked myself like, is this something that I care about and can talk about for decades? And I was like, yes, honesty, transparency, helping people. That's who I am. So I decided to like go hard on the topic because no one was teaching that. So that brought me to Twitter because I saw a lot of indie hackers hanging out there. But of course, now I have kind of, I'm not so active on IndieHackers.com. I have my own audience. So I just kind of hang out there. That's interesting. Yeah, I also discovered indie hackers. I don't know if I discovered the podcast first or the forum. That's actually where I met Sammy. He was actually, he was looking for a marketing co-founder. I responded to one of his posts and then we started calling. And then I, uh, the week after I flew Paris, met him, stayed there for the weekend. And that's actually how we, how we found it. I theory. That's funny. Yeah. So indie hacker is kind of like the YC of like bootstrap founders, like make <laughs> exactly. so many things happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Oh, yeah. So you saw a lot of people on Indie Hackers were also on Twitter. The building public thing was already something on Twitter. And then you decided to start, you know, writing on, on Twitter as well. Yeah, I spotted the opportunity. So I just want to try. And and at the beginning, how did it go? Because, you know, you maybe were still in, with one foot in your startup, but the other one, you wanted to do something else. How did you make your first steps building in public? Oh, actually, I only started when the last chapter ended. So I had a lot of free time with my daughter arriving in two months. I have like two months with nothing to do other than just spending time with my wife. Uh, so you had to, had to do something else. <laughs> I had to do something. I'm not someone who can just chill at a beach and do nothing. I need to do something. So yeah, your question is like how to actually get started. So the startup was done, didn't work out. But then what, you know, you can build in public, but if you don't know what to talk about, what you're going to build, and then you know, what's, what's the first step for you? Well, of course, I discovered this later, but I, looking back, I really think it's impossible to figure things out when you're just sitting in your room. Like I, in the past, exactly when I just graduated from college, I thought about, doing different businesses. And my friend and I, we would put up the whiteboard and just start thinking, oh, people need this. People need that. This is a problem. But this is all assumptions, right? And I guess I did that a lot in the past. So I didn't want to do that again. So this time I was just taking a very chill approach. Like I'm going to build in public, basically. (laughs) Like I cannot not build in public if I'm building a guide on building in public. So I thought I'm just going to be really open and share my progress, invite people to come give feedback to the guide. It was a 10 chapter guide. So it's more like a writing project, but it was very kind of relaxing and slow. I'm not in a rush to make money. So it took me two months to write 10,000 words. So it's very slow. But the good thing is because it's so slow, a lot of people have been watching, have been knowing that I put a lot of effort into this. So when I launched a guide, so many people jump in and help out. They're like, this is the guide to read in 2021. And I'm so thankful for that. So 2,100 people read the guide in three days. 
And overnight, I was like, ooh, people call me the building public guy. This is crazy. But basically, I was taking a very different approach. Nothing, no product, no problem, no solution in mind. Just there to, to hang yeah, and build projects for fun. It was also like a, a meta project. You were building in public about building in public. It is. I, I'm a big believer that credibility, right? If you don't even do what you talk about, then how can you convince people to trust you? Sure. And, and did you put a, a dollar sign on that or did you release that for free? And then that, that became maybe a newsletter or something, something of that sort? So because I'm not a first time founder, so I knew to get into this space, it has to be free. Like it's not the moment to talk about money. And even so, I didn't even ask for email addresses. It was just websites, web pages. Everyone can view it. I think the reason why it got shared so much and so fast is because of that. If you put like a subscription box, you basically cut the traction by maybe a quarter, I would say. So that was kind of like a, like a bet. <laughs> and more so, I think if you're just starting out to become a creator, you want more eyeballs and credibility at first. Yeah. Revenue is really not that important. So that was the whole plan. A lot of people with 50 followers or 300 followers are in my DM saying, hey, I can write, I can write viral tweets for you. I can do this. I can make you millions. It's pretty hilarious, really. I don't really think if they'll ever get a client out of that, but that's, you know, that's the opposite of how I would do it and, and the opposite of how you did it, I think. First, build some credibility. And then, you know, when you have a little bit of a standing in public, then you can start charging for you know, your next. Thing. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And so a lot of people read your guide. What, what happened next? What happened next is I need their email address <laughs> because I found out I had so much traffic to the website, but I don't know who they are. And I don't know if they would stick around. There's no way to hang out with them. So then I started thinking my second product, which is the free email course, Making Twitter Friends. And this time it's behind a subscription box because I need their email addresses. But again, the whole approach. So this is what I like people to know is, of course, I have a strategic goal behind, right? I talk about getting the emails but it doesn't affect how I build the product. I still put so much time into building the free email course that people keep asking me, like, why isn't this a paid product? So the strategic goal and your customer service or delivery is two different things. So yeah, I built that in maybe three weeks. It was a bit quicker because now I know what, what I'm doing. It was a bit quicker. And again, when I launched it, it was, it was a big hit. Like a lot of people enjoy it. I think because back then we were quite tired of talking about audience growth and talking about making friends is like, oh, something so new. So that helped me a lot. It, it actually brought in like 3,000 people in two years to my email list and I didn't have to do much. It just basically grew itself. Nice, nice. And so I always think if people say to you, hey, why aren't you charging for this? Then you're a bit late for charging money? Did you, did you like create maybe a separate course? Like that was like maybe like an add-on for, I don't know, $20 or how did you just think, you know, this is fine. I'm just going to capitalize on this, build more credibility, get people on the email list. And then in a few months time, I'll launch something new and then I'll start making some money. Yes. This is why you see the book here. <laughs> 
strategically placed. Yeah, so because it's still about Twitter. But I, I still want to point out something there. I guess if you are new to um, starting something and people tell that to you, you might be paranoid. Like, am I missing out on the revenue? Should I make something really quick to sell? Yes, uh, it's normal to have that thought. But to me, I know my stand. This is a free product. This is, again, a credibility play. I want to build trust with people. And the difference between the building public guide, which is the web pages, and this email course is, I wrote the course in such a way that I encourage people to talk to me. So a lot of people actually reply to my emails. So now I have a communication system where I get so many emails every week. That's how I grow my community. So I, I know where my stand is. So building something to charge immediately was never my thought. But again, why the book came along is because I answered the same questions over and over again on Twitter, in emails. So I thought, oh, I can just summarize it, structure it in a book and make it like a, like a next offer that people can check out. Interesting. And I want to go back a little bit more to the course first, because I think a lot of people are thinking, you know, I'm going to build a course, I'm going to either you know, sell or give it away for free. But it's always hard to come up with, okay, what am I going to put in the course? How did you structure that? How did you come up with your ideas and, you know, put it on paper? Yeah, funny you mentioned this, because based on the Making Twitter Friends free email course, I built another course to teach people how to build a free email course. And <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. But then somehow I thought, hey, this free email course brought in 3000 people kind of on autopilot. So there's something there and I want to share how to do it. I think a lot of people look at the lead magnet like, oh, I'm just going to spend very minimal time just to grab people's email and that's it. But no, that's not my approach. My approach is this is going to be a killer product that blow people's mind away. But how do you think about that? I think, so something I talk about it in Email Course Engine is you want this course to be a bit wider than usual because in theory, this is still a lead magnet. If you're talking something very technical, something niche, then not so many people can come into your funnel. So that's how I thought about it. Like making Twitter friends is like so broad. Anyone using Twitter would want to take a look at it. So it opened up my funnel, right? But I am quite aware that probably half of them are not interested in building in public or the way I use Twitter. So, and that's okay because that's the purpose of this lead magnet. So a wider topic is, is crucial. Interesting. Okay. And so, and then you built the course, how to build email courses. And was that because you got a lot of feedback through email from people? Like, I want to do something like that. How should I start? Or why, why did you think about that? Basically, I was looking at how I grew my newsletter email list. And someone asked me, come on, how did you grow to 3000 subscribers? And I was just looking at it. Most of them come from this free email course. Instead of that, hey, sign up for my newsletter box. So I thought, hey, a free email course is a much better value proposition than the subscription box. So I want to teach people how to do it this way. It, it, I don't think this is the only way, but I want to share my way. And that was also a free course? No way. <laughs> no way. Okay, finally, Ooh, you start making money. I cannot keep doing free things. So those two projects were free. But uh, the course to teach people how to build email courses, email course engine, which I built early this year. Now it's like $79. 
good, good, good. Okay, so you're finally starting to make money. And then, you know, you have your your book, Strategic Place. So people who are just listening, you know, we're uh, on a video call, of course, and I can see Kavan's book, Find Joy in Chaos. When did you think, I need to write a book? Ooh, I remember I started in September that year. So actually, it was about 10 months after I first started getting online. And I publicly talk about how I made $0 in the first six months. So then it was pretty early in my monetization uh, journey. I have a lot to say about a book writing process. But to be honest, for people just starting out, I don't recommend writing a book because it's very time consuming. It took me 10 months and I took a five month break. So it's still five months, pretty much half time. Like I spent half the day writing the book. And to be honest, the biggest learning is that it is a Twitter book, right? But my core topic is building in public. So it is not a great positioning for my work. I should write a book about building in public. But because I was so into sharing my Twitter approach that I wrote that book. So yeah, thinking back, I shouldn't write it. But anyway, what happened happened, right? It's still a good product. So yeah, I thought about it quite early. And again, it's mainly credibility. You can tell I'm always thinking about credibility because I think it's much more important than the content in the product. Yeah, if people trust you, they basically would try to see what you're building. And to me, I don't want to write an ebook. I want to write a paperback because I don't want to put it here. But uh, as you say, it's a good marketing thing and people do that. So I want to do the same. But what I'm going for is if people go to findjoyinchaos.com, they can see pictures of readers holding up the book. That is what I was going for. I think that is worth so much. That's funny. I just, we started something new uh, in Heart Fury. Everybody now who subscribes and who posts their first 42 posts through Heart Fury, they get like an email saying, hey, you know, you made it to 42 posts. Congratulations. You know, random number, but it's the answer to everything. And we tell them, hey, just um, write down your address and we're going to send you a little, little gift. And last week, I, or two weeks ago, I think two weeks ago, I sent out the first batch of, you know, postcards with a couple of stickers from High Fury. And today we got a first person mentioned it on Twitter, like, hey, hey, look what I got. And so that's, that's really cool. And it, it brings your brand to life. You know, first, it's just stickers, but our logo is there. You know, it adds to our credibility as well. And I think the same goes to, to literally a book you can hold is something really unique. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well done on that first picture. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was thinking, ah, am I going to send more? But yeah, before before the first big I would like I have to send a couple hundred and then see how it goes. I write them all by hand. It's a it's a you know it takes a little bit of time, but it's also I think uh, a great way to build a brand and to you know, get closer to your audience. Yeah, it's all about doing things that other people wouldn't do. Okay, cool. All right, and so. Okay, you finally start making money. I would say, like after six months, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have uh, much of a bank account left. But uh... you know what? My wife actually came to talk to me. She was like, "Kavan, when are you going to start charging people? Like you, you have been making free stuff for six months." I think that was my wake up call because I want to share this with everyone. When you're in the mode of creating free content, oh. it was satisfying. 
but you're also not thinking about money, which is a bad thing because to monetize it takes a whole different mindset. So after six months of doing things for free, it took me a while to start, oh my God, I need to ask for money. That took me a few months to get comfortable. And, and that, that's, a, that's an interesting point, the, the comfort, because it's also, I wouldn't, wouldn't call it sleazy, but it's also, you are selling a part of yourself. There is, it's, it's like, you know, we have these, these audit DM campaigns people do, but I only do them maybe once every two or three months, you know, hey, I created this, you can get it for free, you know, reply below with whatever, and I'll, I'll DM it to you. And there's, there's something holding me back. And that's, you know, I... It's, it has to do also with the credibility part and not being too sleazy and stuff like that. And, and the same goes with monetization. How did you like go over the doorstep? Was it, was it your wife that kicked you in the ass? Or was it, what was really the, the moment you said, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to put a dollar sign on my products next. Seriously, it was really my wife. Because building free things felt so good and you, you can just go on forever. But I was, of course, I had a runway, right? For my previous role, I, I was getting paid pretty okay. So I saved up a bit, but I need that reminder to start learning how to monetize. So um, yeah, credits to my wife. I don't think she'll be hearing this, but uh, <laughs> credits to her. <laughs> Still credits. That's good. That's good. Yeah, same, same with mine. She also told me I was, this was maybe now six years ago or something. Also heading a startup, wasn't making any money. I had, had some money saved up, but you know, we were just enjoying the ride. We were growing. We thought, you know, uh, every dollar we keep in the in the business, we can keep keep growing, you know, faster. And uh, so I was I was less, you know, interested in the money, more interested in in growing the business. But she also told me a couple of times, well, you have to take a salary at least, and then then we started minimum wage, and then eventually it grew it grew a little bit. But yeah, it's really important because you know it's also a way to just you know tell yourself I'm doing a good job, I'm being rewarded for what, what I do. And not just getting getting likes and, and getting followers, but you're actually, you know, getting paid and getting a little bit of freedom back. Because if you just keep posting, there's no money coming in. Then eventually, you'll have a big problem. Yeah. Thinking back, the first 12 months was actually quite easy because I already set out giving myself some time, right, to build that credibility. But uh, I, I made 10 thousand US dollar in the first 12 months, which is, which is not a lot. It's not a lot. But honestly, I told myself I had no friends in the space. I had no niche. I had no followers. So being able to make that first 10,000 was, I guess, a big milestone to prove that I can keep going. But what I want to tell you is the second year was really tough because deep in my mind, I was thinking, I have proven to get a head start. I have the credibility. Can I get my business up to, I don't know, meet five figures or something in the second year? That was stressful. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I bet. Because the, the problem with any any launch, the book launch or the course launch, like there's a big spike and then, you know, it goes down quickly as well. You might get some drops here and there, but nothing to be able to sustain you. So how did you get into like your next pay product? How did you come up with that? Actually, the book was not my first one. Actually, I started a community first because I needed to monetize, right? And when I have a bunch of people around me interested in building in public, I thought, oh, let's, let's do a community. I have no idea what to do in that space, but let's just bring them together. And I was charging $5 per month and I got like 65 members. So it was not a lot of MRR, but you know what? It killed me. Because every day I woke up, I was thinking, 
I need to do something for them. They're paying me $5 this month. <laughs> but then you know what? Most of these people, they don't even care about the $5. And in a community, when you don't have people being active, you feel really bad about yourself. So I was in that state like, oh my God, what am I doing? So after four months, I decided to just cancel everyone's subscription. I really went in and manually delete their credit card one by one because I thought it's, it's not worth it. Let's, let's just kill the product. And then I started my first course because through that community, I, I realized I really love teaching. Maybe it's because of my background. I used to run a kids coding school with the founder. So I was her left hand. So education has been kind of in me for a long time. So I thought, Let's start a course. That's when I started the building public course. Ah, cool, cool. And now because you're now doing cohorts, I don't know if you've had anything in between. Basically, once I decided to switch to the course, I decided, uh, actually, I didn't know much about court, online courses, but cohort-based course was really a hot thing back then. So I thought I would just hop in there. But the funny thing is, I think it was the second cohort. So the first cohort, for free because I had no idea what I was doing. So I was like asking my community members, anyone interested in a free course by me is going to be four weeks building in public. And I had no curriculum and people said, oh, of course, sure. Why not? Yeah, yeah. So I had 22 people and I started developing the curriculum and that went okay. So I started a second cohort and I used the testimonials to sell that. Right. And this time 50 bucks. And I got 22 students. So that was like $1,000. Pretty good. Yeah. Totally better than your community. <laughs> oh, so much better, you know. And I still wasn't very comfortable teaching online because it's a very different space. And actually back then with the kids coding school, I never taught a class. I was mo mostly growing the business. So I still remember a student. She stayed behind one of the live sessions and she told me, Kavon, you have a lot of authority in your writing because I've been writing a lot. Yeah. But in live sessions, you lost most of your authority because I was so nervous. I was asking for permission all the time. So that, that was my big moment to think about if I really want to be a course teacher, I need to level up those skills. So I kept running cohorts. I've run nine cohorts until today. So that was my biggest product. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Interesting. And, and I, I know we've, uh, we've invited you once or twice on our uh, cohort, and you spoke a little bit about you know what you do in your cohort and how you teach. I think that was really interesting, and because you know normal cohorts, it's usually you know you send, then you ask people to do it themselves either during the live session or later, and then there's a new um, uh, video, and then you send, and then they have to do things. But you it took a little bit of a different route. Tell us a little bit about that. I think the biggest thing I learned is that a course is not just presentation of information. I think too many courses out there are just like lectures. It's like, yeah. it's so easy to make. But if you look at it from the student perspective, they're not really digesting or absorbing or implementing those learnings. So I, I was part of Maven. Actually, I was part of Maven Course Accelerator, where I learned a lot about like really teaching. So the big thing is that we need to think about what the topic that we're teaching and then what's the best way to do it. So for building in public, actually, 
the biggest obstacle is not the building in public. It's actually the internal fear of getting out there. Like, oh my God, is someone going to judge me when I say something? So when I identify that, then it's not something that you can just ask them, hey, go do it yourself. We have to come together as a group to support each other. So that's how I designed maybe the first module. Like it's a group kind of thing so that we share within the group and then we share in public so that they get comfortable step by step. So a lot of like the course is designed this way. It's like doing something like an exercise that seems irrelevant, but in theory, you unlock something for them and then they can be like, oh, oh my God. Okay, I get it now. And this is how you apply it in building in public. Okay, let me go do it. Can you give an example of that? Yeah, sure. For example, in orientation or one of the workshop, like the exercise was let's break into small groups and let's create the dumbest business idea. So it's a fun exercise and there's nothing to do with building in public, but then they come up with the business idea and they come back and share. Then I think the next, the next exercise is like, okay, now how do you build this business in public? Something like that. So if you have a dumb business, like I remember mine was like, how do you teach people to rub your feet under the table when during a Zoom call? <laughs> so it's like a dumb business. But you, you get to practice and yeah. discuss with your teammates. Yeah, yeah. And, there's, and there's less stress probably because, you know, this is a dumb idea anyway. This is never going to see the day of light. So we might as well put our effort in and see how we can, you know, create crazy ideas to, to make this happen. Exactly. I think that's the essence of a cohort-based course. It's the discussion, the, the friendship. And I think you moved away from Maven, no? Now people can only book a cohort on your own website? Or did I miss that? Yeah, yeah. So I ran one cohort on Maven. And then I decided, actually, because I'm very hands-on. <laughs> so I used to be a web developer. So I like to just get my hands on everything. So I thought, hey, actually, I can just like use different tools to run my cohort-based course. So Maven was actually positioned as a tool to help you manage your cohort-based course. But I actually don't need the tools. So now it's different. Now Maven is more like a marketing platform, marketplace. So yeah, it's very different back then. Interesting. And so I think Maven did a couple of things. So in the beginning, it was, you know, just I don't know, a poster where you could say, well, I'm going to teach this. And they maybe had a little bit of tooling. But right now, they also, they are one a marketplace. So if you're on there, I think, you know, you'll have some inbound traffic yourself. But I think... Most of the creators on there, they are already pretty well known. And for them, so it's more, the tooling is probably more important to them than having the inbound stuff. It's just, it's easier for them to be on Maven instead of building a website and, and having all these different tools you're using. I think like, for example, if you are working in a company and you're running a cohort-based course as a side project to make more money, then it makes a lot of sense to use Maven. Everything is there. You just go and run it. You you. You get demand. But for me, I'm a full-time entrepreneur with my main product as a course. So I have a lot more time to play around. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's also because there's probably some kind of revenue share there. You know, you, you get to keep more of the, of the revenue. For sure. Yeah. And now if you look ahead, like you'll, you'll be doing, I don't know, one cohort every two months or something. What are your other, other plans? Huh. Interesting you ask. I'm moving away from cohort-based course. Because uh, I imagine you raised your prices from the $50 point, right? You're now like 
a lot higher. No? Yeah. It went from 50 to 100 to 400 and then to 600 and then 750. But of course, I also added higher pricing tier. So like last cohort, I had a tier 2400 and people do sign up for that. So it, it, it's quite fun to play around with different packages because my learning is that everyone has different needs. There's really no one size fit all. So by giving some options, you, you do serve them better. But the reason why I'm moving away is there's a lot of limitation to cohort-based course. Like I have seen people, not seen, I've talked to people where they say, Kavon, I really want to join this cohort, but I'm very busy next month. Yeah. And then three months later, they say, I'm very busy next month again. So it's like, there's no way for them to join. And that's my first signal. The second signal is that I've seen people coming into the cohort, but eventually they not kind really of participating. Yeah, not participating. So it becomes a self-paced course anyway. Yeah. So it makes sense for me to kind of uh, shift the model so I can serve more people. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's interesting. And so you're just going to pre-record things, maybe a little bit like Kieran Drew did with his writing course, but then you know it's going to be building public course with a lot of video. So definitely videos, but I ever seen someone told me about Seth Godin's purple cow concept. You, you want to stand out. It got stuck in my mind. So for me, I don't want to just create a bunch of videos. I want to make a purple cow self-paced course, right? So my plan is, of course, the base is the videos, but I'm going to embed a lot of prompts for them to participate and they can either do it, it's like self-reflection, and they can post it for other students to see, or they have to take the action in public and then share it back to the community. I like this format better because I really hate to see people just listening to videos. So I'm in the middle of like doing these videos and curriculum design. Basically, I, I want to blow people's mind away <laughs> with a self-paced course. But of course, self-paced is just one option. And then the second option is if you want self-paced, but with the community component. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. And now a lot of people want to build in public. Where should they start? Like how, you know, maybe, maybe give like a, a short summary of, of your course. How, how would people start to build in public, create something people want, and eventually also ask at least $5 for something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, start small. I think too many people think of something so big in their head. Like I have to build this mega course like Kavan Building Punk Mastery, 2400. No, I started with free and 50 bucks. So in building in public, I've learned over the years that it's very good if you can just like scope it down and then set a start date and end date. Like I'm going to start today, July 18. And then in four weeks, maybe August 18, I'm going to do this mini launch to show people what I did. Because I, I see that people love seeing someone go from the start, starting line to the finish line. It's just human nature. Like we want to see if they would succeed or fail or whatever. So anyway, they would be watching. And through that process, probably you inspire someone or you kind of interest them that they would maybe participate or get your product. So I think scope it down, start and finish date. And just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. That's simple. Kavan, thank you so much, man. This was a lot of fun. For people who don't know where to find you, tell us uh, your, your Twitter handle and then your website, stuff like that. Sure. I'm most active on Twitter. 
So meet Kavon and my website is publiclab.co. So if you are looking for my free products, free articles, you'll find everything there. So you can start there. Thanks, Kavon. Thanks, Yannick. That's a wrap. But before we end this episode, I want to make a gentleman's agreement with you. I keep sharing these amazing podcasts with you. And the only thing you need to do in return is to go to YouTube, search for Hype Fury and subscribe to our channel and go do it right now. And I'll see you again next week.